Today, the Below Average Joe's MMA show for the first time of 2023 present a weekend preview. And we have a jam-packed episode for you guys focused surrounding the last month of MMA that we have missed out on. From news to fight announcements, everything in between. And we're also previewing UFC Vegas, insert number here, headlined by Nasruddin Imavov in his first main event spot, taking on a guy whose last main event was the last UFC event in Sean Strickland. All this and more, and it all starts right now. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Episode 259, Mm. 2023 is in full swing, Dominic. We had... A very interesting last month or so with no MMA in our lives outside of Bellator Horizon, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, for your UFC, it felt like there was so much more happening outside of the octagon than inside. And in this case, Dom, I don't think that's a very good thing. So um, a lot to get uh, go over. I think this episode will probably be actually more focused on everything that's gone down the last month. But we do have a UFC card this weekend that we will be previewing as well so how excited are you to be back how has the last month been for you where you've not had any mma to watch but we've obviously still been doing our best to kind of get out content yeah it's been fun noah and it's it's uh, great to be back into the swing of things i believe there's mma events ufc specifically 11 of the next 12 weeks so we're going to get back into a routine back into the grind um it feels good the joes are here the joes are here to stay we've had a lot of fun expansions and new things to our below average joe's brand over this past month with no mma and hopefully most of you have heard or seen some of that by now if you haven't it's easy to find here on our channel uh but it's great to be back here with our bread and butter the birth the first thing that the joe's started right here at the mma show we've got some somber unfortunate things to discuss to really kickstart the show which is a never fun but it's been a wild, wild last month and a very, very crazy beginning of 2023 uh, for this sport, Noah. So how are you? I'm good. Um, definitely not looking forward to talking about a few of these topics. Uh, they are uncomfortable to talk about, but when you do a show that is surrounding MMA, we have an obligation to do it for the people that we, we, we not only talk about the good things or the things that we like about the sport, we have to talk about the dark side. Sometimes we got to talk about some of these realities that are not comfortable. They are not something we want to talk about, but it is important that we uh, address it nonetheless. So without further ado, Dom, I'm actually, I I think I was just on this one because I really just want to talk about this one real quick because it happened so long ago about the passing of Stefan Bonner at age 45. A really sad loss for the MMA community. Stefan Bonner is, of course, most known for his time as Ultimate Fighter and for having one of the best fights in UFC history against Forrest Griffin, a fight that really saved the company in a lot of ways, if you are to believe the history as it's been told of the sport. Um, too young for a guy like that to go. It's very unfortunate. You know, he's had a tough life where he's overcome addictions and um, 
you know, fallen into some wrong, he's fallen into wrong crowds or whatever you want to call it. Um, but a guy who seemed like he had a big heart, who was a great fighter, who always came to put on a show and his legacy is everlasting. That's season one of the ultimate fighter and the event that those two had to cap it off will forever be in the history books. So hopefully there is some solace in that, but um, I believe there is a GoFundMe for uh, his family. So we will provide links if that is the case, if that's a verifiable GoFundMe. We'll provide the links for that in the description of today's episode. And go support that. Uh, keep his family in your thoughts or if you are the praying type in his prayers. Kind of just needed to address that off the top. Dominic, did you have anything you wanted to add about Stefan Bonner? Uh, you put it pretty beautifully, man. I mean, it's a legend of this game, a pioneer of the UFC. Him and Forrest Griffin saved the company, and they are forever linked, I feel like, in eternity, those two together. So uh, it was a hard, hard loss for the MMA community. Uh, had a few of those over the last year and into this new year for the sport. It's just so hard to see that at these young ages. So uh, obviously just a legend, his legacy is going to live on for a very, very, very long time in this game. And I hope that even the people that are still coming into the sport, they're going to get to see that fight one day and realize just how important he is to this uh, to this game right now. So, Well said, and the, the news doesn't get a Dana White video, of course. This is probably the biggest topic going on in MMA right now. Um if you've been living under a rock and you don't know what we're talking about on new year's Eve, uh, during a family vacation. And I believe it was Mexico or something like that. Uh, Dana white along with his wife were at a nightclub. Um, a video came out of someone on the ground level recording up at the two of them, uh, who were like up on a second level or whatever. Um, in the video, I, Whatever you want to say happened before, I don't know. Dana grabs a wrist, whatever. Uh, but his wife, and then the two of them are, um, you know, separated and whatnot. But uh, a lot has already been said. I've already actually talked about this video on my show this week in sports. Um, but, so, but since so much time, I mean, we still have to kind of talk about our thoughts on it. But I also want to talk a little bit about sort of the fallout of this video, responses we're seeing in the community or lack thereof. And Dana actually made a surprise appearance at Media Day and about this video uh, for about 20 minutes. So a lot that we can kind of, a lot of directions we can go to start here. Um, I won't ask you a specific question, Dom. I guess I'll thoughts on the video um maybe just i i think it's important for us because we're two guys in our in our community and in, in this in whatever we're doing this uh podcasting about mma whatever i would say that out of everybody who does it i mean me and dom have probably been kinder to dana white than most um i think it's safe to say that we have been fans of him we enjoy what he brings to the sport the impact he's had on the sport um, a lot of people like him for this reason or that reason, and I completely get it. But for whatever reason, I've, I think the two of us have just always uh, found him to be a great personality for the sport. 
So it's rather disappointing that something will come out. And that's where I'm going to let you kind of take it away, Dom, on your thoughts and ultimately give your thoughts, not just on the video, but the the subsequent fallout, the lack of responses from some people, fighters and whatnot, and then Dana's own responses to the situation. Yeah, when it first came out in the new year, the beginning of the new year, it was almost something you that I was just like, no way, this is this, is this real? Is this really going to happen here? And then you see the video clip and... There's no excuses. We all know it's wrong. At least a majority of us know it's wrong. I know some people have defended him and whatnot, even though he's literally telling people not to defend him. Um, so you're not going to hear any of that here. There is no defending him in this instance. He was in the wrong um, point blank period. Um, that's just the way that we were raised and a lot of other people in this community share the same thoughts. So uh, it was unfortunate to see really the face of, yes, the UFC um, but honestly, he's the face of the whole sport. So it's just uh, it's a black eye on not just the UFC, but the whole sport. I think it does not do uh, very good things uh, whatsoever for the sport at all. And it's already a, a very, you know, you got to be a little bit uh, strong to watch this sport in the way of the violence and whatnot, mm -hmm. the nature of it. And then when someone as important to the sport as Dana has something like this come out, it just makes it uh, look even worse to the casual audience or people that support other sports uh, but don't watch MMA. Now it just looks even worse. So it's quite a shame uh, that it had to go down like this and that it had to happen. The lack of response has been, I mean, for again, in our space, in the community, I feel like there are a lot of people that have spoke about it and given their thoughts. But in the grand scheme of things, we're talking ESPN, we're talking the UFC as a whole, uh, so on and so forth. There's been no repercussions. There's been no punishments. And I don't really know what I was expecting if there was were to be any of such. Uh, but I guess I just wasn't expecting zilch, nada, from the organizations as a whole. And then you, when you get into media day from this week, yesterday, when we're recording this, he did address it again. And I will give him some credit just for taking blame and not making excuses for his actions. So that part is what he should 100% do. And I like that he's telling people not to defend him and that they should not defend him. But uh, then he kind of went into like, well, how do I be punished? If you take me away for a leave, it doesn't hurt me. It hurts the company, so on and so forth. And I, I guess that's where it just kind of, that's where I don't know how much more to say, like, <laughs> What is a punishment then? Really, the only real punishment is firing him, I suppose. And I just don't see ESPN and UFC and all that going to those measures. I think because they do, in a way, realize that he is a pretty important piece to this puzzle. Um, I know the UFC can do things without him, and it seems like over the past couple of years, more and more of the back end things are in Dana's hands and it's guys like Hunter Campbell, the matchmakers, you know, the, the war room fellas that we talk about a lot on this show that kind of do the heavy lifting. And Dana <laughs> is just the face, the speaker, he, you know, represents the uh, company. So I, I don't know. And if you have any ideas, I'd be curious to hear what they are, but all in all, that's about what I can put together, to be honest. Mm. Those were very, uh, I appreciate your thoughts on it, Dom. You actually, uh, that was a lot. Not that I was expecting 
nothing from you, but that I was with such a tough topic like this, it's hard to give such clear and full thoughts. And I think you did that. So good job there. Um, this is obviously my second time talking about this and really everything Dom said, you can probably copy and paste for me. So I'm not gonna, you know, just say the same thing in different words than what Dom just said. I mean, really everything he said, I agree with. I think the only parts that I'll add on is when it comes to some of the responses from different fighters, uh, specifically like Sean O'Malley, you know, we both like Sean O'Malley a lot. He's a, a bright young up and comer in the sport. I mean, now he's really at the tip top of his mm -hmm. division, potential future champion. And when he says something like, you know, she deserved a good slap or whatever the, the wording was specifically, you know, this is a man who has a young daughter yeah. and it's just kind of gross in my opinion. Um, everybody has different backgrounds. Everybody comes from uh, different uh, situations that have, you've been raised differently and therefore you have a different uh, code of conduct, a different moral code, whatever you want to call it. Uh, me and Dominic come from pretty similar grounds. So we were always raised that under no circumstances is it okay. Even in retaliation, even if you are hit first, you should always walk away. Especially yeah. for when I consider a guy like me who's a very large guy. You know, if I'm if I'm with a if if whatever woman would strike me would likely be a lot smaller than me and a lot uh just tinier than me. So the kind of damage that I could do with the slap to her is much more substantial than what she could do to me. And Dana White is in a similar situation where he is a very big guy. He yeah. has got big muscles. His yeah. wife is not some, you know, big, tall woman. She is a normal-sized woman. And um, that's why in that situation, you even after all the years of marriage and whatever and she has come out and sort of said that it was out of his character and she's not pressing charges or anything so um ultimately though he has to walk away from that situation um that that's actually going to lead me into my next point where she's not really you know her statement said exactly what i just said that it was out of his character like mm -hmm. it was not something that's normal you don't have to believe what she's saying here. I understand that people are going to just assume that, you know, the first time doesn't happen in your 50s. I get that. But ultimately, if she's not pressing charges, if she's not, if she's kind of just wanting this to go away, ultimately, mm -hmm. I don't really understand other people being more offended by what he did than the person who was the victim. I've never really understood that about different situations. It feels like a lot of times nowadays we have people online that get very offended by mm -hmm. actions that did not personally affect them, which is one thing if you know you are clamoring for support for the victim. But when the victim really just wants it to go away and by any sort of uh, statement that has been made publicly, any action that's been taken since then, it seems like the focus for them is on their kids and their family just trying to get through this tough time. Right. I don't really agree with the people that are still trying to like take it to a certain level 
Um, it's one thing to demand answers. It's one thing that to demand a comment by Endeavor or mm-hmm. Disney, ESPN, whoever. Like these are definitely worthwhile measures to take. But to go out there and continue saying how much of a piece of shit Dana White is, or you know that, um, I don't know. It's just stuff like that. It's like okay, let's let's try to just don't be the most offended person in a situation that you were not a victim in. That's kind mm-hmm. of, uh, I think a lesson a lot of people could take. And then ultimately Dana's response in the media scrum. I think it was great that he took questions about the topic. I wasn't yeah. actually that confident that he would. Yeah. Um, his original TMZ interview, TMZ, these two fucking chodes from TMZ were trying to give Dana white, Every out imaginable. We're talking about the amount of alcohol that's served, that she slapped him first. All this stuff. They were trying to offer him every out in the book. And to his credit, he did not take it. And mm-hmm. he has, to this day, not taken any sort of out. He mm-hmm. has remained stern in that there is no coming back from this, that he has to live with this forever, that he did it. It is his fault, nobody else's. I give him respect and credit for doing all that. Now, when it comes to his response to, you know, well, what kind of punishment should there be? You know, you take me out of here, it just affects the fighters and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I don't think that's true. I think we all kind of know at this point that Dana is for sure important and he is a figurehead, but he's really not uh, manning the ship anymore. I think Hunter Campbell has taken over a lot of his actual responsibility in terms of fighter negotiations and mm-hmm. and whatnot and because of that really a lot of people were mad about his response to these questions i'm not necessarily mad at dana because dana is the what's the word the perpetrator in this in this action like what do you what do you want him to say i mean yeah. he's obviously trying to take personal accountability but when they're asking him, like, hey, what should your punishment be? I don't know. I mean, maybe you'd like him to say, well, I think I should be fired. But do, is that really a realistic response that any of us would give no if we one, were in a similar yeah. situation? Right. So really, where the where I think it, it, the anger should be pointed to is Endeavor and Disney, who have remained completely silent yeah. on the topic. I don't want Dana White to be fired necessarily. I don't, I'm not, you know, it's hard to say like that any sort of reprimand would be too far for something that I feel is completely unredeemable. But I'm just saying I'm not clamoring for his firing. You know, I ultimately still think Dana has a good contribution to the sport. But for him to have nothing really happen from this, to have no sort of reprimand at all, feels just gross. And when you consider that Ari Emanuel uh, over with Endeavor has been a very, he's not just, you know, this is, I know when it comes to UFC, we don't really hear him speak a lot. You know, he's sort of a silent owner kind of in the background, but truthfully, Dom, the more I've learned is that he's actually very vocal when it comes to these type of issues Mm-hmm. When it's people that aren't under his payroll, aren't affecting his bottom dollar. He right. has sent letters 
to his associates uh, when Kanye West, of course, went on his tirade uh, with the Jewish community. Uh, mm -hmm. He made a big letter saying for people to, you know, not, not, uh, I forget what all he said, you know, for late, uh, sponsors to drop him and mm -hmm. all this stuff. He also went after, I, I can't remember who else. He went after someone else. But the point is, is that he has shown a willingness to really speak try up. to speak up for uh, people who have tried to victimize other individuals or other communities or whatever. And here with someone who is on his payroll, who does affect his bottom dollar, he has remained silent. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, his silence says a lot more than I think he hoped it would. And the same with ESPN. I think and I'm more surprised at that side of the thing, actually. Yeah. I mean, I think, it, Dom, I think it's safe to say here, if we're ready to kind of shift into reality, nothing's going to come of this. I think that's been proven by what we've seen up to this point. I don't think anything's going to really come from this. It is a black guy on the sport, but I don't think it's a black guy that's going to last all that long. Yeah, sure. For you know, for now on, it's hard for Dana. You know, Dana's you know, always been such a aggressive figure and outspoken figure in the sport, as at journalists or at people online or whoever, right? But now I wonder if the, you'll see a little less of that because before you really couldn't say a whole lot like that. Dana would take personally like he hadn't really done anything yes you could talk about fighter pay and whatnot but it really kind of ended there now you have this on you so I'm sure you'll you know in any comment anytime Dana does an interview or he tweets something if you read the comments on it you're going to see a lot of uh, stuff about slapping and power slap and all this stuff and um yeah, that'll be basically his punishment, like he said. That That is true, what he said. That is his punishment, is that he basically just has to live with that sort of label forever. I don't think that's much of a punishment for a very rich and famous and successful guy, but, you know, that is ultimately the only punishment he's getting here. So I think the sooner we accept that, um, it doesn't mean that you should just stop, you know, demanding a response from these people like Endeavor and Disney. But I'm just hoping that by saying this, it will not set up anybody for disappointment. I'm sure people have already been disappointed by the silence up to this point, but that's reality. So, Dominic, anything you'd like to add or uh, respond to that I added on? Uh, that's honestly about everything I feel like that we can discuss. Yeah. And if anything else happens, we'll get to it then. But <clears throat> like Noah said, don't really know if anything else will happen. So. Yeah. Uh, last one, man, it just, it, it just gets worse. Like it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't get any better. Um, this is about former UFC fighter, Phil Baroni, who was arrested in Mexico for reportedly murdering his girlfriend. Um, Phil Baroni was a pretty fun fighter back in the day. Uh, he was pretty popular during a really tough time for the UFC. Um, uh, hadn't heard much about him in the last few years. Mm -hmm. And then this comes out that he, I mean, essentially beat his girlfriend to death is what is being accused here. She had like upwards of 22 injuries on her body. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Dominic, there's, 
there's really no good way to even respond to this. There's no good way to talk about this because there's so many internal factors for Phil Baroni and then external factors out of his control that I'm sure led to this happening. Uh, if what is being accused is ultimately what happened. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you can point to the CTE of taking repeated blows to the head. I'm sure you can point to uh, a lot of different things. Roid rage, perhaps. I'm sure Phil Baroni, you know, very thick guy. Maybe he was on PEDs and had a violent temper due to the roid rage, whatever. Um, at the end of the day, what the only thing that we can really for surely, you know, say about this is just how unfortunate this situation is and just how sad it is. Not only did a woman had to lose her life over this, and you know, this is a situation where, you know, the lack even though the Dana White situation feels a lot less in comparison to this one, and that's because it is. That's why it's dangerous for people like in Endeavor and, and Disney to not say anything because it almost paints the picture that this is okay. And even I was though ask this something about that. Yeah, yeah. so I'll, I'll, I'll kick it to you if you want. But really, that's why, like, even though this is a much more serious and final, uh, you know, someone ended up dead in this situation you sort of have to treat every situation that involves domestic violence or um, abuse equally in how you, in your seriousness, you take it with, even if different situations feel less, you know, not every situation leads to a woman being dead because of it, you know? So it's just very unfortunate. Phil Baroni, young, not, not an old guy by any means. And this mm -hmm. woman wasn't either. And due to, you know, whatever factors were at play, this man never got the help he needed. Don't know what he was angry at or whatever it was. Uh, he's going to lose the rest of his life, too. He's going to rot in a jail cell, essentially. So such an avoidable situation all around and just very unfortunate. But, Dominic, I'll kind of let you uh, talk if you want to ask me a question or whatever. Uh, first and foremost, thoughts and prayers to the woman in discussion here and for their family. I can't imagine uh, everything that they're going through right now. It's just terrible, terrible news. You never want to hear about it. You never want to talk about it in our space. But just quickly, too, to what Noah said, and obviously this is the most extreme type of scenario, but what does it look like when Dana doesn't get punishment, but then a fighter here in the future I don't want to say inevitably because I don't want to right. put that out into the air that yeah. it will happen. Let's just say it's likely to happen to some sort of extent, a punch or a push, a slap, whatever the case. What what do you do with that fighter then? Because if Dana didn't get in trouble, is the fighter still going to get in trouble? And you best believe that if that's the case, this whole thing with Dana will resurface again <clears throat> when mm -hmm. that happens. Uh, so I don't know. I just feel like, keep it consistent across the board, regardless of who the person at fault is, I feel like is a great way to approach these types of things. And, and if there is help to be needed for these people as well, then pursue that um, as well. You can, you can punish someone for their wrongdoings and at the same time, get them help if they see fit to, you know, get that as well. So I don't know. I just, 
that's all. I just want consistency. And unfortunately, with like the Dana situation with nothing happening, I, I really just wonder what will happen in the future if a fighter puts him or herself into those types of situations is all. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing to clamor for to want um, equal right. equal justice spread around. Yeah. But I think the unfortunate part, Dom, is that I, I think by the lack of response and the lack of any sort of punishment for this actions by, by the, for the actions by Dana White, I think it's pretty clear that that's out the window because the standard was set before this incident happened. You know, there have been plenty, there's plenty of examples through the UFC's history under the ownership of Dana White and the Fertitta brothers. And then with Endeavor where a fighter has been accused of assault or domestic violence or whatever it might be. And Dana is on record 2014. I think he said, uh, you don't come back from that. So fighters have been let go previously for it. Um, Again, I'm not saying that's the wrong move, but I'm saying it doesn't look good when the guy who was dishing out those punishments previously ended up completely unscathed when he faced a similar situation himself. Yeah. Boy, and there have been other fighters that maybe have not gotten punishment or have been brought into the well, company. Well, without... the most obvious examples, John Jones, right? I mean, that just well, happened. That's one. Greg Hardy is another one. Yeah. As well. well, you know, the Greg Hardy one, I understand that like him being employed by the UFC and being put on like main cards right away when he was obviously not far enough along in his career to have earned that spot. That didn't look good. Uh, you put him on the same card as a woman who had been a survivor of domestic violence. That just is in poor taste. And then, um, but ultimately, like his, the the what he was accused of did not occur while he was under contract right. with the UFC. It occurred before. Yeah, he was cleared of it. But I do agree with you that it's not a good look when you bring a guy in who mm-hmm. became most well known not for being an NFL player, but but for being a domestic yeah. abuser and then you kind of prop him up on your cards doesn't look good. Um, but the John Jones is a good example where, I mean, that was a very just gross situation. One. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm sure there have been others like you just said. So it's obvious in, and, and they asked Dana about this at the scrum and he said it would be a case by case basis, which yeah. again, I don't know what you what you're gonna expect the guy to say. Like if he said it's still a no tolerance policy, you can't really say that because you just came out unscathed mm-hmm. from that. So that's an impossible question to answer, but I mean it was a there was no answer that was gonna make anybody happy and rightfully yeah, so. That's true. That's true. Um anything else on this, Dom? I'm kinda just ready to <sighs> We got to get out of this somber, dark stuff, and let's get into some exciting MMA action. So we're going to try to transition into some more positive items. Uh, Let's start with the one card we did get during this month off, Dom. It was Bellator versus Ryzen on New Year's Eve. Yep. Um, Best poster of the year, if you ask me. (laughs) Right. But the question is, Dom, how did the card turn out? Did you enjoy watching Bellator versus Ryzen? It's a lot different 
Um, Japanese MMA is just, it feels a lot different. The crowd is a lot different. They obviously mm -hmm. fight in a ring. That's different. Mm -hmm. uh, the pageantry is a lot more almost like professional wrestling-like. So mm -hmm. uh, what were your thoughts watching this card? Uh, one, pre-tape fights suck because yep. you know everything yep. that happened before you get to see them. So that was very unfortunate yep. because it was such a hyped-up, well, Nothing under Bellator banner is super hyped up, but to their extent, it was <laughs> relatively hyped up for them. Yeah, and uh, it just for us here in the states, it didn't really matter because we knew what happened before we even got to see the fight. But the fights as a whole, Bellator obviously goes five and zero. All decisions, all five fights were decisions, and honestly, there weren't any big takeaways for me, Noah, for the most part. I mean, again, we don't get to watch like rising or really know much about their fighters so i wasn't necessarily expecting bellator to be unsuccessful uh but yeah i mean they pitched a shutout their big guys you know patricio aj juan archuleta in specific even horiguchi and godzi uh all just got the dubs and they head to bellator with some some i don't even know some man. cred like, some street some cred, cred. Yeah, he's like got a win over in Japan, you know? Yeah. Um, but really, it's just like all this event did was just kind of lead me to believe cross-promotion's not that cool when it really is all <laughs> final and said and done. Like, let's just fight our own people. We're in the organization for a reason. I used I to could love tell, that idea. I, I, I could tell, though, that your personality, like the way you – you might say that you used to love that idea – but you like to have things in their own space. Like I feel like you're the kind of guy, Dom, that when you eat food, you don't like it to touch. You got to have the plates where everything has its own individual, like any sort of intermixing of uh, things like this, not for you. Right. Unless it's a KFC famous bowl. Um, no, it's very <laughs> right there. So yeah, let's just stick to our own organizations. Let's get our own champions and fight the best and do whatever. Uh, cross promotion just ain't for me, and it shouldn't be for many people after an event like this. It's unfortunate that it kind of just didn't go over well. But again, when it's already all happened, there's no, there's not even a point for us here in the states to even watch the damn fights if we already know everything that's going to happen and we see clips all over Twitter. Yeah. Like, I don't know, but uh. Well, I'll get into one other thing about AJ McKee when we talk about the next topic, but you can go ahead and talk about this a little bit if you want. Yeah, so ultimately I thought the card kind of was a dud. Um, yeah. Obviously it was my it was actually my first time watching one of these Bellator Ryzen New yep, Year's same. Eve events. So um, I enjoyed the pageantry of it. I kind of enjoyed how it felt different felt different from a Bellator broadcast. It felt different, obviously, from a UFC broadcast. Um, Ryzen, I think, is a better promotion, Dom, than maybe you 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 think. Uh, they do have a lot of really good fighters that come from there. Um, so I was surprised that Bellator pitched the shutout, even though we know a lot more about their fighters and have watched them a little bit further along their journey. But... The fights were just not very good. And that's all I really wanted from this because, again, I don't really know much about the Ryzen half of this card. So right. I wasn't necessarily looking for a ton of big takeaways, but I wanted good fights. Yeah. And I just didn't think the fights were that good. And uh, that's unfortunate. I do think you're right. Like, nothing that Bellator does it feels all that well-promoted. <laughs> but this yeah. was probably their closest to being a well-promoted card. Um they seemed very much like all hands on deck for this one. Yeah. To the point where you had people like Josh Thompson 
going after the media for not covering the sport. And it just doesn't look great when you do that. And then it turns out the fights are pre-taped. It's like, yeah, I mean, what are we doing? That that completely takes the wind out of the sails. A lot of ship puns in my, uh, <laughs> in my yeah. saying right now. But um, it takes the wind out of the sails, and it just made me not all even that excited to watch it. Like, yeah. if it was airing live, I understand the time difference. Like, right. you gotta, I, I get it. Like, I get it's not an easy solution. But maybe Dom's right that the solution is just to have everybody just go their separate ways. Like, yeah. you have a Japanese based promotion that should probably fight at times that are convenient for a Japanese MMA audience. And Bellator is an American promotion. So they should probably fight at times that are good, that are at least uh, accommodating or relevant to an American audience. It's just, maybe you're right because I don't really have like the solution to fix it. I'm just saying that having to watch these fights after knowing what happened felt like homework. And yeah, yeah. Because I saw that every fight was a decision. I was like, it's going to take a while. <laughs> I'm like, hopefully at least one of these is good. Yeah. And then it really wasn't. So yeah. Yeah. Disappointing for sure. More Bellator to talk about here though, Dom. They did announce this one mm. hot off the presses. Yep. Yep. Lightweight Grand Prix is coming up, Dom. That is, will be the next Grand Prix. And, you know, if you had told me that they would be doing lightweight before I saw the actual fighters that were participating, I have always looked at lightweight as being one of the weaker divisions in Bellator, which is so crazy because it seems like throughout MMA, it's probably the biggest uh, and best division, at least one of them. But then I looked at the names, Usman Nurmagomedov, your champion, of course, Uh AJ McKee, Tofik Musayev, those three right there by itself just make it already worth the price of admission. Yeah. Then you got Alexander Shabli. I, I never know how to say his last name. Uh, Patricky Pitbull, Mansar Barnawi, Benson Henderson, and Sydney Outlaw. So yep. Yep. I actually think they put together a pretty good lineup for this Grand Prix. It may not get me as excited as last year's Bantamweight Grand Prix did, but nonetheless, I think it's pretty good. Any thoughts on this one? I know you said you had uh, – I'm assuming I should also plug – that this did come with the announcement that AJ McKee had re-signed with Bellator. I'm pretty sure that's what you were going to say, right? So he does remain with Bellator. So I'll ask you your thoughts on the Grand Prix, and then I'll also ask you, Dom, were you surprised that AJ McKee is remaining with Bellator? Um, At one point in time, I feel like I would have said yes, but no, I wasn't that surprised. It's a multi-year deal, multi-year contract. I'm sure it's lucrative all 20 plus of his fights have been under the Bellator banner and it's not going to change anytime soon. I bet Bellator is willing to go above and beyond to keep him there. And I respect him for it. Get the money, man. If that's, if that's what you want, go get it. Um, and he's very well, very much. So I should say, uh, an elite fighter in Bellator. So I'm excited to see how he'll perform at 155 in this Grand Prix. Now I know obviously there's four people that they haven't necessarily matched up yet. Patricky, Sydney, AJ, and then Mansar but they do have Usman versus Benson and Tofik versus Alexander uh, at Bellator 292 on March 10th. So it starts off here in under two months, I guess, officially from the time you're seeing this episode. So it's exciting. I do enjoy 
the Grand Prix that Bellator does. I wish they would promote them more. I wish they would promote all of their things more, but especially these because they are a big deal. We got mm-hmm. to see the conclusion of one in Chicago live, and it was awesome. It's just knowing that there weren't a lot of people outside of the arena tuning in on TV to watch it is a little bit upsetting, but uh, I hope they promote this well. There's a lot of really great fighters, a lot of great talents, and I enjoy these types of tournaments. It's cool, man. Like the UFC does their thing, right? The basic fighting in the rankings, yada, yada, yada. You got Bellator that do the Grand Prix style brackets, and then you have uh, PFL who do their regular season playoffs and championships. Mm-hmm. So it's three very different things that uh, um, really make me want to watch all three promotions and and that's what i like and that's what i want more of in the future so i'm here for it it's exciting yeah definitely like the grand prix um as far as uh aj mckee resigning i think after his performance against patricio in their second fight that kind of answered to me what direction he was gonna go he was very cocky in the lead up to that fight saying he didn't even need to train anymore um, he wasn't doing his homework for that fight, whatever. He said a lot of things. And then he was talking about free agency and he could go to wherever he wanted. And that's great if you win the fight and he didn't win the fight. And it wasn't a great right. fight either. He didn't look all that great in it. So I kind of expected this. And um, I'm happy with it. You know, I even though Bellator I have a lot of frustrations with, ultimately I don't want them to go away. I would like to see them thrive and get better and succeed. And in order to do so, they have to have top-level fighters, and A.J. McKee is a great fighter. So I'm yeah. glad that he's staying there. Of course, I know in the past we've debated this topic, Dom, because the idea of him going to the UFC and fighting some of the top guys there is a very exciting proposition. But right. I tend to be of the... I tend to kind of view these things now as not necessarily about bringing as much talent into the UFC as possible, but having enough talent balanced out, like giving guys opportunities to be the guy. And yeah. that in the more promotions you have, a guy like Shane Burgos can go from being the guy in the UFC to being the guy in PFL. So I like right. to have guys get those kind of opportunities. So I'm all for that. So that's it for like the news portion of this whole recap uh, segment of the last month. But Dominic, we got a lot of fight announcements too. Oh, I gotta pop. So I'm going no, I to, to. I, I I am going to list them off. Woo. And as we do at this point, yes, usually we do this in our recap episodes. But since it, yeah. it, there were so many and we had been off for a month, figured we'd take care of them now. Yep. All right, so I'm going to list them off, and just how we normally do, you'll tell me what sticks out to you, Dom. February 18th is looking like a really good card. Your main event, Corey Sanhagen versus Marlon Chito Vera. Co-main cool. event, Aaron Blanchfield versus Taylor Santos. February 25th, a week later, we see the return of yeah. Tatiana Suarez. Dominic, right. said she, Dominic said she would be champion by August August. <laughs> Since 2020 or 2019. So she is back against Montana de la Rosa. Then March 4th, UFC 285. Jeff Neal versus Shavkat Rachmanov. That has been rebooked for that card. Derek Brunson versus Drikus mm-hmm. Duplessis. Then UFC 286. Two weeks later on March 18th, 
Jennifer Maya taking on Casey O'Neill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And April 8th, or excuse me, March 25th, a week after that, Sean Brady versus Michelle Pajera. And April 8th, Rob Font versus mm-hmm. Adrian Yanez. So a lot of fights there, Dominic. What's sticking out to you? What are you enjoying most from this list? Can I just pick every one of them? I mean, man, <laughs> that, that's a great big old list that has came out over the past couple of weeks. Sanhagen, Marlon Vera, I think, is let me look yeah i think that's the one that excites me the most in terms of like what is going to happen in the cage that is such a sick main event and then if i have to give an honorable mention because you know i had to do this tantiana suarez the return at flyweight 125 pounds saw a lot of people throwing slander that they're giving her montana de la rosa what's the deal what's the deal with that she hasn't fought in three years montana's not a scrub no. I think Montana's a pretty good fighter. She's relatively young into the game still. I see no problem with that being her return fight. Uh, I'll be curious to see what the betting odds are uh, when that fight comes around. And please, I just hope that it can stay put together because we've had an announcement before of her return <laughs> that more injuries happen. So if she can stay clear for a month and a half longer, no, and I see her get in that cage, I am so pumped to see her back and up 10 pounds as well. That's very intriguing to me. So I'm going to go with those two. I had to say two. Would it shock you if the fight I'm most excited for on this list is Aaron Blanchfield versus Taylor Santos? No, I, it's awesome. It's awesome. I mean, I'm kind of upset it's not a main event. I'm upset that they are putting fucking Derek Lewis and the Polar Bear <laughs> in a main event spot, and this has yeah. to be a co-main spot. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. That's a great one-two punch. You get Sandhagen Vera yeah, and then this and yeah. the co-main. And I wish more of our fight night cards had that kind of, mm-hmm. at least two big fights on it. But, uh, man, this is, is the kind of fight I want to be a main event, so I'm slightly disappointed by that. But I won't focus on that because, Dominic, I really think the winner of this is potentially your next women's flyweight champion. Um, mm-hmm. It's hard for anybody to beat Valentina Shevchenko. Right. That's for right. sure. But Taylor Santos, in my opinion, came very close and mm-hmm. maybe should have won. Yeah. Aaron Blanchfield looks like an absolute stud yeah and obviously taylor santos proved how good she was if aaron blanchfield came in here and beat taylor santos i think i think uh yo um valentina's throne is uh a little uncertain right now that's that's mm. all i'm gonna say mm, uh, so i'm really excited for that fight but dominic the reason why i put that over the main event san hagen versus vera is I want to get your thoughts on this. That is an amazing fight if you just mm. take it as it is, right? Sandhagen, Vera, two top-level guys, great striking matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, Marlon Vera has been on a tear looking to put himself into a potential title shot position. While Sandhagen's had been fighting everybody at the top for the last couple yeah. of years and yeah. is looking to get himself back into that same position. My question is, though, Dom, is this the right fight to to book next for these two? Because I look at this fight, and as excited as I am for it, I just imagine if you took out Corey Sanhagen and you put in Sean O'Malley, Mm -hmm. I would be even more excited for this fight. Because I wonder if we're missing an opportunity to run that fight back between Sean O'Malley and Marlon Vera as as big as those two have become since that first fight, as controversial as that first fight was, 
the amount of talking these two have done since that fight about each other, at each other, the only thing that could make this, if, if it'll be a huge miss unless they somehow mm. are able to time it up that these two fight for a title. That's the yep. only way they can capitalize yep. at this point. 100%. 100%. That's now, what I, I was going to say. I do wonder like, if the reason they didn't book it is because maybe they're trying to hold Sean O'Malley for a title fight. I do wonder, even though there's talks of Cejudo and Sterling, mm-hmm. you got Sterling coming out and saying he's not going to be ready in March, even though that had been the date that we all thought that fight was going to be booked for. Who knows what's going to happen there? It's always something. There's always something. When it, with Cejudo and Sterling, there's always injuries yeah. and you know, they, they talk shit and say they're going to fight on this date and then they're not ready for that day. I don't know what's going to happen. So yeah. all in all, Blanchfield Santos, that's the one I'm most excited for. Uh, Tatiana Suarez, that'll be fun. Shavkat Rachmanov, Jeff Neal, as good as Jeff Neal looked in his last fight. This is an uphill battle for sure. Yeah. But it makes that was supposed me... to be our co-main this weekend. Yeah. That's, that's really a shame. That's such a shame. <laughs> God <laughs> damn it. That's such a shame. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the reminder. Anyways, <laughs> let's talk about UFC Vegas insert number here, Dom, because All right. it is time for that. It is time to preview this weekend's card. Your odds come from PointsBet Sportsbook, correct, Dom? That's still this is uh, true. PointsBet Sportsbook. Your main event, a bit of a shakeup here in the 11th hour. Kelvin Gastelum no longer. Uh-uh. Now, Sean Strickland, the man who was in the main event of your last UFC event of 2022, will main event to start 2023 opposite Nasardine Imabov. Uh, the odds are literally a, basically a pick em here. You got mm-hmm. minus 105 for Strickland, minus 115 for Imabov. I'm going to ask you an interesting question here, Dom, because the, the shakeup, you know, Kelvin was supposed to be here, and then it's Strickland. Strickland having just fought wasn't a great fight with Cannoneer. What's your excitement level for this main event? Like, how excited are you actually for this fight? Uh, um, and, and if it wasn't for the fact that we hadn't had MMA like or UFC in a month, would you be even less excited? Well, yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Um. <laughs> It's not, I don't know what to really make of this fight. Like, because to be truthful with, you know, I wasn't that excited for Kelvin versus Nasruddin. So it's kind of, we, I don't know. Like, honestly, this is a bigger opportunity for Nasruddin because he's fighting number seven instead of number 13. I guess you want to put it that way. Sean Strickland just fought less than a month ago on December 17th. He took this fight on, uh, what does that say? January 9th. The fight happens on January 14th. I mean, respect to the guy. He's a dog. We know that yeah. he goes in there and he fights, man. So it, it's. I think it could be a good fight, but I don't know. Maybe it's just the lack of storylines. But when we only have five days for the main event to be a thing, I guess you can only come up with so many of them. Uh, like, Sean is taking a big chance here, I think, by giving up his number seven spot potentially to Nasruddin. For Nasruddin, I mean, there's really no... I mean, even a loss here, it's still short notice for him, and it's against a mm. better opponent And when it comes to the uh, the number next to their name. So, yeah, I, I think it'll be an okay fight. I, I think it'll potentially go all five rounds, mm. as Sean Strickland main events do, and 
there'll be a relatively decent amount of action. At least I hope so. I'm excited for Imavov, uh, his first main event spot. He's looked mm-hmm. really good over the last couple of years. And that's kind of where my excitement sort of ends. Um, mm-hmm. And I do want to give both guys credit for taking this fight, especially Sean Strickland to step up, being that he just fought a five-round fight and lost, and now he's like, I'm getting back in there. Saw an opportunity to jump in. He deserves a lot of respect and credit, so I don't mean to slight him by saying, like, I'm not excited for him to be back in there. But, I mean, Dominic, the the truth is I'm just not, and a lot of that is because he has just not been that fun of a fighter to watch. He's fun in the lead-up. Mm-hmm. You watch his media scrums, he's fun. But then the fight itself is always like, well, you know, it's fine. Like, it's, it's at best fine. Except um, for the Cannoneer one. I think that's an exception. I didn't think that was very good, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, the Jack Hermanson fight, the like, yeah. Bleh. You know, I don't even know the last time I'd really say he had a good fight. I mean... He's a great fighter, but he's smart. Like, really, he is a smart fighter. As, as as crazy as he sounds sometimes, the way he talks, he does a very good job of, what do I always say, the technical mm-hmm. brawler. That's really that kind of, that's something that he is better at than most guys in this company. Mm-hmm. But the biggest reason I'm not excited for this fight, Dom, is because I, actually everything you said would be true if this fight were at 185 pounds, but it's at 205 pounds. Oh shit. I had no idea, but it makes sense. I I mean, he took it on five days, I guess. Right. So I had read that on Twitter. So Mm. it's at 205 pounds. So ultimately I don't think there's any stakes for this fight. Yeah. Um, They both deserve credit for taking it. And it would say something if Imabov came in here and knocked out Sean Strickland. I don't care if it's at 205 pounds. That says something. Yeah. If Sean Strickland came in here and knocked out Imavov, I'd say the same thing. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, there is an asterisk by it because it won't change the rankings at all because the UFC will not view it as a middleweight fight. And ultimately, this, this main event doesn't really have much stakes. Like, yes, it may affect where these two get booked next. If Imavov wins, he might surely get a guy even higher than seven, even though he'd still be under 10. Mm-hmm. but um, that's about it. And really, the UFC hasn't been consistent at doing that. You look at what happened to the leech, man. Yeah, right. So, right. Um, yeah. Ultimately, I just don't think there's a lot to really get up for with this fight. Yeah, that's kind of the best way to put it, I think, that phrase. <laughs> man, that was a real downer of a preview there. Uh, should we go back to talking about Dana White's slap video? Like, really bring things up a notch, I guess? Right. Uh, uh, let's get into the rest because mm-hmm. we got a couple more fights to talk about. There are some good ones on this card for sure. I think Dan Ige versus Damon Jackson's a very good fight. That's yeah. now your co-main event. Uh, Dan Ige still ranked number 13 in the division. Damon Jackson... Very close, and this is his opportunity to jump right in. And you get a big clash of styles here because Dan Ige puts a lot of pop in his punch. He's got great power. He's shown an ability to have the knockout in one punch. Uh, Gavin Tucker, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was a great knockout. While Damon Jackson, very good grappler, got great submissions. Um, his issue is that he's not very durable. Uh, a lot of his losses have come via knockout. 
while Dan Ige, I think his issue is that he is not the most complete fighter in the, in the company. I think he's got a couple skills that are very high level, but I think the majority of his game is, is at, you know, like kind of a decent level, but not all that great. And his grappling would be one of those that I'd say that about. So it's a great fight. Um, it's going to be whoever style can overtake the other. Can Damon Jackson get the fight to where he wants to get it to, or can Dan Ige land a good shot and end the fight? I'd lean Dan Ige, um, truthfully, even though I, I would love to see D Damon Jackson continue this winning streak and put himself in line to fight a top 10. I just think it's uh, one of the tough matchups for him in this top 15. Yeah, and if you want to keep the discussion rolling on terms of uh, polar opposites, if you want to talk about the momentum here for both guys. Dan Ige lost four of his last five and three mm. in a row. Damon Jackson has won four of his last five, and four of all four of those wins have come consecutively. So he's riding the biggest hot stretch of his career. Dan Ige is in a the biggest law of his career. And now, here you go. They got a clash. And, oh, by the way, Damon Jackson gets a shot at top 15. Dan Ige gets a chance to lose his top 15 ranking. There's a lot at stake in this fight. Honestly, this fight probably has the most stakes of all the other fights on the card, maybe outside of one of the women's fights that we've discussed. But this is very important for both guys for where they are in their career right now. Everything you just said about, you know, stock being high on Damon Jackson, low on Dan Ige, considering where their paths have gone up to this point. And yet, who's the favorite in this fight, Dom? Dan Ige minus 120, Damon Jackson plus 100. I think that should tell you something. If you are someone who is looking to bet on this fight, I am still suspended, so I will not <laughs> be betting on this fight. But if I did, I would be hammering Dan Ige after taking that information in, seeing the betting lines the way they are. What is the reason that Dan Ige is the favorite in this fight? Everything tells you that he has hit his ceiling and is finding out that he is not really in that top 10 top 15 etch while damon jackson has been doing very good against you know just under top 15 level competition and now he has a chance with the momentum on his side to get another win he has an advantage over ige in the grappling and submissions mm -hmm. and yet he's the underdog ige 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 Ghost bet pick number one for Noah. Yep. Just been ghost released. bet. <laughs> that has been one of my ghost bets for this weekend. So uh, the next fight we're going to talk about, Dom, Ketlin Vieira taking on Raquel Pennington. Mm -hmm. uh, this women's bantamweight division has been kind of just dead. Blah. Really, since, yeah. we've, since we started this podcast. I mean, we are, <laughs> Dom, we are two and a half years basically into this. And have we ever gotten up for a women's bantamweight fight? I mean, maybe I feel the like we hardly ever even see fights happen in the division. yeah. Like, I, like yes, women's featherweight gets a lot of hate from us, but I mean, shit. At least it's funny to make fun of Lad Dumont. What has bantamweight had? It's the difference Nothing. between you know, like you watch. Have you ever watched a movie, Dom? That was like so bad it was good. Oh yeah, um, oh yeah. Well, Ready to Rumble, I think, is a good example. Oh, that's that, a perfect right? example for us. Yeah. Yeah, like um, so bad it's it's kind of funny, just how bad mm -hmm. it is, kind of thing. And then have you ever watched a movie that was just boring as shit and you were like falling asleep and you're like, I want to turn this off. Like there's just nothing even interesting about it. Yeah. 
trying to think of an example of that kind of movie for me. I mean, just like a, I don't know, like a National Geographic documentary. Like, who the <laughs> fuck cares? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Um, which one are you going to rather want to watch? You're going to want to watch Ready to Rumble over that right. movie that's going to put you to sleep. That's kind of how I feel about women's bantamweight versus women's featherweight. I understand yeah. bantamweight's the better division. But women's featherweight, sometimes you get you get fucking main events between Norman Dumont and Aspen yeah. Ladd. And it's it's kind of more fun to sort of watch it and then kind of kind of hate watch it and make fun of it a little bit. Yeah. Um Yeah, that's really all I have to say about this. But Dominic, I, I think what's if you really look at this fight though, the winner of this may be getting a title shot, especially if it's Ketlin Vieira. Yeah, th- this is the biggest fight we've had at women's bantamweight since we've started the show. Because, <laughs> That's not true. No one That's in the top five true. ever fights each other, and if they're scheduled to fight, That's... it never goes to the cage. There's always something getting canceled. Okay, what? you took it too far. The, Way blasphemous statement. Well, I mean, if you want to talk about title fights that we've well, okay. had, I mean, obviously, I'm not talking about the title fights, and we've not even had many of those. We've only had two of those, I think. In well, this okay, so you want started. me to name like a contender fight that was bigger than this? The t- when the top contenders fight or are booked to fight, it either is a dud and nothing comes of it, or the fight doesn't even happen. I don't even know if this fight's going to happen yet, Noah, until Saturday oh, night. Oh God, you might be right. I can't really think of anything. But you are right. The winner. We'll fight for the title next. I strongly believe that. Ketlin's won two in a row. Raquel's Both the main won four events, in a row. By the Quite, way. Yes, true. And the resurgence for Rocky Pennington, regardless of you like her fight style or not, I think it's awesome, this resurgence. Yeah, she I lost agree. to uh, Amanda in 2018 in a title fight that she got mm-hmm. pummeled in. You never thought we'd see much else from her. Look at her. She's won four in a row. She even has a finish in that winning streak. I mean, dude. If she can get back to a title shot, I think that's awesome for her. So. Is it kind of telling that the UFC put Ketlin Vieira in back-to-back main events? Neither one was received well, and now she's kind of buried on this main card. Like, is that something? Is that am I looking too much into that? That the UFC mm. might just be like, like they might have been in on her for a second, and then they were like, well, yeah, you know, she's not I, that. Ex- she just doesn't. The fans don't seem to be buying into her. But I mean, truthfully, Dom, you have to wonder. You watch these kind of fights, and it's hard to get super excited for him but i implore anybody listening watching that watches week to week you know all these ufc events start really familiarizing yourself with these women and their styles because i'm telling you amanda nunez's days are numbered as a ufc fighter i believe yeah yeah and if she were to retire this year which is an if but if she did Ketlin Vieira and Raquel Pennington could be the type of fight you would see for a vacant title. Yeah. And it, yeah, it feels I mean, like a division. Ahead. It feels like a division that once Amanda is for sure gone, we could be playing hot cake with that belt for a long time. Like no long standing champions in this division right now, as it stands, there's no big up and coming prospects that are coming to my brain right now. All the top five have like literally all fought for a title except for Ketlin and Irene Aldana. But when they get that moment, they lose. So like, I don't know. I I don't see a long-standing champion here for a long time. The only two that I could see making a title reign is Ketlin and Irene Aldana. But um, it wasn't too long ago when Aldana got outclassed by Holly Holmes. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. Vieira seems like a safe bet to maybe be that next champion, which is kind of like I mean just. Okay, that I guess that's what we're gonna do here. So yeah, 
Yeah. Next fight here. This is this one's a good one. Umar Nurmagomedov is... taking on Hayoni Barcelos. Uh, Barcelos been a severely underrated fighter in the company for a long time. Meanwhile, yeah. Umar Nurmagomedov is he smash. Yeah, uh, minus eight fifty. By the way, odds <clears throat> for Umar. So. Minus eight fifty. <laughs> minus eight fifty. Yeah. I'm, there's no ch- look. I I'm banned. I'm suspended from betting MMA again. I'm going to keep saying that every time. But uh, they will not convince me to bet against a Nurmagomedov or uh, a Shubalova Double like whatever. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I ain't betting against any of them mm-hmm. because I I did that when I wasn't it Umar who was a massive favorite against uh, the guy from Kentucky. Nathan Manis. Yeah. Wasn't that Umar? And yeah. I took Manis because I'm like, wait, Manis is a good fighter. They were both no, undefeated. I mean, he's, yeah. he's good, but no. Nah, nah, There's he's, levels. He got, he got smashed. And yeah. Barcelos will probably get smashed too. But he is a very underrated fighter. So this is a good – like, I don't think this is like – like, I don't think the matchmaking's at fault here. I think Umar's just that good. Like, I think Barcelos is very good. He is the kind of fighter that could be in the top 15, if not for how stacked this division is. I think the matchmaking's fine here. Yeah, Umar's number 11, and I feel like they probably just made this because no one else wanted to fight him right now. So he's that fighting out of the rankings yeah. with Barcelos. I do like uh, Rayoni Barcelos. I do think he's a very good fighter. He's got a solid record, 17-3, uh, and 6-2 and two in the UFC. It's just, man, Umar just looks like he is that guy pal he looks like he's that guy he's nine years younger 26 versus 35 years old i if i'm not mistaken and i saw this going around on twitter and i don't it could be different now but i think that there is a way that you can get that minus 850 into plus money if you take umar by finish i think that's risky because he's finished eight out of 15 but if you want to just try and get him down a little bit maybe that's your path there but I just don't know if I feel comfortable with him finishing Barcelos. Right. Barcelos is very so, good. So it, yeah. it, he's a durable guy. Um, well, I guess I, I forgot to, to mention this in our news portion, so we can kind of talk about it now. How about Habib? Uh, looks like he's going to be retiring yeah. from coaching. Yeah. I was shocked when I read this. Has this been like speculated for a while? Because it didn't seem like anybody was all that shocked but me. Uh, not that I know of. I think it just, he kind of said, oh, I kind of want to be done, focus on family mm. and business, and I mean, that was good it. Good for him. So. Good for him. Because we just... would see him this weekend if it were, if that weren't the case. So I mean, this guy is, uh, he walked away from fighting at the peak at his best, and now he's done the same with coaching. I mean, yeah. props to him for not sticking around too long. I mean, coaching, oh, I yeah. feel like he definitely could have continued if that was his passion, if that's where he wanted <laughs> to put his energy, but um, can't blame him for wanting to focus on family and other business endeavors. Uh, maybe we'll finally get some real merch with him and Hasbula or something like you know, have <laughs> right. a, a little NFT project. Maybe. I don't know. What a, yeah. I don't even know what an NFT is. So. Me neither. <laughs> um, it just seems like it's something that always ends up being a scam. <laughs> Every time I hear about NFTs, it's fucking Logan Paul scamming people. You got that, that diddle fuck that just got arrested. Uh, yeah, FTX I shit. I don't understand any of it, but me uh, neither. Um, yeah, these are two smart guys talking crypto on here. So, mm. 
Yep. Uh, shout out to Habib, but uh, it'll be sad to watch him kind of walk away from the sport almost entirely. Like, I almost wonder if he's going to be like, you know, you see it in other sports, those guys that walk away and they don't really stay in the sport. So they, they're kind of become one of those guys that, yes, his legacy is so big in the sport that he's always going to be remembered. But are we really going to be hearing much about Habib in the next few years or 20 right. years? Like, is he really going to be around all that much? I know. I hope so. Selfishly, of course. Yeah. But, um, but that's it. We are going to move into our last segment, Dom. We only end the show one way, and that's with a little closing statements. The part of the show where me and Dom can talk about anything and everything, MMA-related or not. So, Dominic, any closing statements for today? Uh, we go a whole month without an MMA preview or recap, and then I come here, and am I really ready to give a closing statement? <sighs> Ooh, I'll just ask a question. Because it's kind of trendy with this weekend in sports. Shameless plug. Mm. Check out the new mm. episode. It dropped today, the day we're recording this yesterday when you're hearing this episode. Yeah, thank you. Who is everybody taking for the Super Bowl this year? Playoff start this weekend, the wild card round. Who is everybody taking in the Super Bowl? If I had to pick right now one team, I find myself hard-pressed to still not pick the kansas city chiefs now if i had to pick right now today to put money or a bet on it i'm gonna pick the chiefs you bastard <laughs> i'm yeah. so sorry i it's I, this is why i didn't do a playoff prediction on my podcast because i'm very biased and i can't yeah. help it you got a dog in the fight man i do i i do believe the cincinnati Bengals can win the super bowl and i believe they will win the super bowl Mm-hmm. And I believe they will do so by beating the San Francisco 49ers. I think they're in there for sure in the NFC yeah. side. Yeah. Yeah. Although Philadelphia, I mean, if, if they they didn't look great in week 18, Jalen Hurts came back for that game. But if, um, you know, they get a week off, they're the one seed, anything can happen. They played very well for most of the year. So having him back is massive. I do think, though, Dom, if I had to give a second pick, I actually think I'd go Buffalo. Uh, mm-hmm. Not only is they, are they like one of the obvious top teams in the league, but now after this DeMar Hamlin situation, you got to feel like that's that extra like of just like emotion and and mm-hmm. I guess kind of motivation it would add to this group of guys to go win that game. Uh, I couldn't imagine it. So I do think that. Uh, not to use that situation as like some sort of like like it's going to give these guys special powers or something, but I do think that they feel like they're playing for something bigger right now, even though oh, yeah. he seems to be doing okay. Like this is a guy who I'm sure his football future is still up in the air. Yeah, and uh, they want to go out there and win it for him because he should be out there with them, you know. So yeah, it would be a storybook uh, ending. Oh. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, th- I really think that the winner of the Super Bowl is going. I think there's four teams realistically right now that I would say could win the Super Bowl, have a good chance, mm-hmm. and that's 49ers, yep. the Bengals, Bills, and Chiefs. I think those are yeah. the four teams. I mean, I do think if some people will put the Eagles in there. I just, you know, I you could not make it five, like Vikings. I don't think are making it. Mm-mm. Don't see the Jaguars or Chargers or Ravens, obviously, or yeah, especially if Lamar's not playing. Yeah, like 
I, I think it's really like a five team race, and I even go as far as saying four. Yeah, your boys are hot, man. The Bengals are one of the hottest. Haven't teams lost. In the we league. were four. We were four and four of one eight straight. So yeah, yeah, it's impressive well, shit. Eight straight that went to conclusion, I should say. Right. So, right. Um, I don't really have anything to add on. I think that's a good way to kind of wrap it up. So, my name's Noah Baker. That's Dominic Slee. We are but just two of the below average Joes, and we'll see you guys on Monday.